Hey, Seacoast, we want to welcome you to church this weekend. My name is Josh Surratt. I'm the campus pastor at the Long Point campus, and we're glad that you guys are all along for the ride. Many of you may know or have heard by now that this week we lost an incredible pastor and friend of Seacoast and an incredible friend of mine as well, Billy Hornsby, went to be with Jesus this week. So we're going to do something a little bit differently. Billy was on our staff here as a pastor for several years, and Billy also planted and, and founded the ARC, which is a church planning movement that Seacoast has been a part of over the last several years. A couple of months ago, Pastor Greg had a chance to tribute Billy at Church of the Highlands and just pay respects to him and reflect on what an impact he's had on his life. And so we're going to take the next few moments and join Pastor Greg as he tributes Billy and also hear from Billy as well. Hopefully not only as a memorial for him, but also a chance for all of us to reflect on our lives, on what God's saying to us and how we need to respond to that. Billy has had an incredible impact on my life. He's had an incredible impact on thousands of lives all around the world. And I believe as we join him over the next few minutes, you'll have an opportunity to see why that is, and he'll have an impact on yours as well. So let's join Pastor Greg at Church of the Highlands. of you remember somebody in your life who God brought into your life at just the right time to encourage you to be or to achieve something that you thought you couldn't do on your own? Have you remember somebody like that? Might have been a coach, might have been a teacher, could have been a mentor, maybe a spouse. I have two or three in my life. I've got lots of them. I, I remember as, a, you know, about a middle school kid, maybe a little bit younger, learning English. I always had a real hard time with nouns and verbs and adjectives and adverbs. And I still get them all mixed up. And I remember just struggling with it, wanting to give up. And I remember having to turn in a paper that had a short story. And it came back to me just all marked up, you know, because I, I just butchered it. It was just, you know, and, and the teacher pulled me aside and she said, you know, you're struggling with these things. I know you are. But she said, you know what, I, I can see in this story that you have the gift to write. You know, I believe she was lying to me. <laughs> but have you know that God will use a well-placed lie to encourage you sometimes <laughs> at just the right time, okay? I remember when I felt a call into ministry, and I, I was struggling with that because I wasn't like the ministry models that I knew of the time. My, I grew up in a Pentecostal church. My dad was a Pentecostal preacher. He was the national debate champion in high school. How do you know that's a bummer to have as a dad? He can argue about anything. And a uh, and great speaker and emotional. And I mean, he would go all, he would work a stage like this. He'd work up and down the aisles. And he'd break a, he'd sweat and all this kind of stuff. And I, I, I've never moved fast enough to break a sweat in my life. And I was struggling. God, you're calling me to do this. And I thought you had to be at least almost as emotional as a 12-year-old girl at a Justin Bieber concert. You know, I, I thought that if you're going to be a Pentecostal preacher, and I, I just didn't know what I was going to do. And so I went to a college professor, and, and he said to me, he was so wise. He, he said, Greg, don't you think that if God's calling you to do that, 
that there's a group of people somewhere in the world that they're, they're custom, t- that God wants to speak to through you. They understand your humor and how you speak and it's going to be okay. I thought, well, that makes sense. Then he said, well, uh, it's probably a real small group, so don't get your hopes up. Here. <laughs> and then about 10 years ago, 10 years ago, I had a dream. I feel like God planted a dream in my heart to plant 2,000 churches in my lifetime. And we had planted, I had been a part of planting four churches, including the one that I was currently and still in, in Seacoast Church. And of the other three churches, two of them failed miserably, closed their doors. In fact, the last one we had planted, uh, we had poured $100,000, and we didn't have a big budget at that point. Poured $100,000, and a year later, we closed the door. And I thought, how can I do this? And at about that time, God brought this bigger-than-life, bald-headed Cajun into my life, named Billy Hornsby. And it changed the trajectory of my life forever at just the right time. See, Billy's favorite uh, chapter of the Bible is Romans. And in Romans chapter 5, verse 6, it says, at just the right time. While we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Aren't you thankful that God did that? Aren't you thankful for times in your life that God showed up at just the right time? God brings everything we need. And God brought Billy Hornsby into my life. Let me tell you about the first time I met Billy Hornsby. I went to a cell church conference at a great church, Bethany World Outreach Center in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Chris and Rick and several of the guys here grew up in that church. Awesome church. They did cell church conferences, and Billy was a big part of it. I didn't know Billy, and was sitting in a session, and here's this great big guy talking passionately about how God could build your church through cell groups, sprinkling in examples of two guys I'd never heard of, Boudreaux and Thibodeau. <laughs> Love to meet those guys, but I never, never did. But I liked Billy. And so we were having a small group conference for our leaders, and and so I, I told our pastor over there, I said, find out Billy Hornsby. Why don't you call him up and see if he'll come? And we invited him to speak at a meeting for our small group leaders. He was resistant at first. We offered him a little more money, and he came. <laughs> found out later all the money went back into the ministry. But anyway, he, he came, and, and he just did a great job, and he stayed through the weekend, and he watched our weekend service. Few weeks, a few weeks later, he brought Charlene, his lovely wife, back for a visit. And while Debbie and Charlene shopped, and they really haven't stopped since then, Billy and I played golf. There is some dispute about the outcome of that game, but I did win. <laughs> he interviewed me for the whole round. It was the craziest thing I've ever been a part of. I hardly knew this guy. And it was like a job interview. I mean, he asked me, what's the dream in your heart? You know, what, what's your philosophy of life? I didn't have one, but you can make one up on a golf course. You understand what I'm saying? And help me to crystallize that. And what, just, I really did. I had no idea what was going on. I was kind of confused about the whole thing, honestly, honestly. Then on about the 16th hole, I told him about my dream to plant churches and my frustration in doing it. 
Wanted to plant 2,000 churches seemed impossible, and we were one for three, which is a great batting average for baseball, but not so hot when you're planting churches. Billy said, you know what? He said, I think God has brought us together. He said, I know how to build organizations. And he said, I love the dream. He said, together, if we used your model for reaching unchurched people like we do at Seacoast, and we trained them with a model of cell church like we use at Bethany, we could reach that goal in a lifetime. And then I sunk a long putt on the 18th hole to win the match. (laughs) And life has never been the same. So what I want to do, i got 10 minutes. Here's what I want to do. I want to tell you about Billy, okay? Because the ark is about Jesus. And it couldn't exist without Jesus. But how many of you know that Jesus uses people? And he's used Billy in an incredible way in a lot of our lives. And I wanted to take just a minute just to honor him. Is that okay? And I want to take you along for the ride. I want to talk about three values that I learned from Billy Hornsby in our travel over the last 10 years. The first value is the value of a friend. I've always longed for the type of friendship that I read about in the Bible. You know, I'd read the story of Jonathan and David and say, I I want some of that. Or I'd read the story of Paul and Timothy, this kind of cagey veteran that was pouring his life into this young guy who needed to learn. And I thought, I need somebody like that. I'd read the story of Ruth and Naomi and that great verse in Ruth chapter 1 and verse 16 where it says, where you go, I will go. Where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people will be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die and there I'll be buried. And I just, where do you find friends? Who wouldn't want a friend like that? And can I tell you, Billy Hornsby has been that kind of friend to me. He introduced Debbie and I. Debbie's with me. Debbie and two of our sons are here tonight. He introduced Debbie and I to a new language. Words like etouffee, jambalai, crawfish fly, filet gumbo. In fact, Billy and Charlene and Debbie and I literally ate our way across Europe one, one, one winter. Billy loves to eat. He introduced me to his friends and his family. He made me an honorary Cajun, a member of the Hornsby family. And here's what Billy did. Here's what Billy did. Billy looked me in the eye over and over and over again. And he told me that he loved me. I was raised in a great family. But those weren't words that we really threw around a lot. Especially not the guys. It was uncomfortable for me at first, but Billy pressed in. And a lasting legacy to me is a group of guys seated right over here that love each other deeply and tell each other that all the time. Billy told me that he loved me, and I desperately needed that. If he's your friend, he's your friend for life. There are all kind of Billyisms. You can't draw flies with vinegar, Billy said. Billy taught me four words. I preached on this last weekend at our church. Four words that will diffuse anger in any relationship. This is great stuff. Because there's a whole story behind it. Billy used to be our executive pastor. And, and uh, every once in a while, your pastor will get uh, love mail uh, that is less than encouraging. And sometimes I would get those, and I, I would love just to write an answer to it. And I, I would craft it very well and theologically correct and just a bit of sarcasm and all of that. And so Billy would ask me to, if I wouldn't mind, just to run those through him. 
And then he would billy them up, you know. I remember one day he told me, he said, you know, here's the greatest thing, the best foreword you can ever use in order to fuse anger in a relationship. Here they are. You might be right. You might, you know, you don't even have to believe it. All you got to do is say it. You know, you might be right. Billy wrote a great book, and I, I'm hoping that it will be published widely. We self-published it at Charleston when he was living there. It's called 101 Rules of Relationship. Have you guys seen this? Anybody seen this? This is, this is a powerful, powerful book. Little Billyisms. I mean, let me just read you a few of them. Rule number seven, let your subordinates shine. Billy knew how to do that. Tells you how to do it just a little bit. In uh, rule number 20, he says, when you, when you back someone into a corner, let them out. Give them honor. Great stuff. Good stuff. Rule number 31, respect is not earned, it is owed. Think about that just a little bit. Tells you how to do that. Rule number 32, add value to every person that you have responsibility for or have a relationship with. And Billy is the best at that. There's so many of them. The, the most famous rule in here is rule number 75. Don't ask a fat person if they've lost weight because they haven't. <laughs> that is so classic. So good. Here, here's my favorite one, though. It's rule number 76. It's the next page. And it says, revisit the reasons that you became friends. And that's what Chris invited us to do with the communion, is to revisit the reason. And it's been good for me over the last few days to revisit what Billy taught me in the value of friendship. Let me give you another one. The value of being a grandparent. Debbie and I have never lived close to our parents. My dad lives on the West Coast. Her parents live in Denver. Both of our parents love their grandkids. But Billy takes grandparenting to a whole nother level. I watched the relationship with his grandkids when some of them lived there in Charleston. And I, I said to Billy, I said, Billy, can you, I want some of that. Can you teach me? What is the secret? He said, listen closely. Get yourself a candy drawer. <laughs> they, had, they had this little chest right, right inside the door. Isn't that right, kids? They had a chest right inside the door and it had a candy drawer. And what was interesting is that Billy and Charlene moved into a neighborhood in Mount Pleasant and became surrogate parent, grandparents for the entire neighborhood. We'd be eating over at their house like we did quite often. Billy would call me and say, we got some filet gumbo. You got plans for dinner? I said, how soon? You know, and we'd, we'd come over and there'd be a little knock on the door. This happened all the time, Deb. There'd be a knock on the door and some little neighborhood kid would come to the door and say, Mr. Billy, can't... Can I get in your candy drawer? And he'd always say, every day was trick-or-treat at their house. But not only that, Billy built into his kids. I watched him with Abby and Wesley, teaching life lessons that only a pa can do. They loved their pa. It wasn't a surprise to me when he, let, he and Charlene chose to leave Charleston to come to Birmingham to be with their family. And as we look back we, now, we can see what a God thing that that was. Just at the right time. Billy built into my kids. He turned my oldest son, who's here with us, into a redneck. <laughs> Bought him his first gun. Now I have nine grandkids, all of them three years old and under. They all live right around us. And I often think I need to get a bracelet that's WWBD. What would Billy do? Because I won't be like him when I grow up. 
Let me give you one more, one more. Learn the value of friendship, the, the value of a grandparent, and the value of treasures in heaven. Billy and Charlene and Debbie and I went to Europe. When Billy and Charlene were struggling with um, leaving where they were, I I remember it was a foggy morning in Wales. We were sitting in this little restaurant, more like a pub. And we were talking about them possibly coming to Charleston and what that might entail. And I said, Billy, why would you want to do that? Because he's in one of the greatest churches in America. He just built a beautiful house in, in, in the woods on family land, had kids around him. I said, Billy, how could you even think about it? I'll never forget Billy tearing up. And he gave me an answer that I heard him give many times since when he's thinking about life decisions or when he's trying to convince us and the art board as to why we should believe in a church planter that was struggling somewhere. And maybe we didn't believe, but he did. When he was laying out his philosophy of life, he he would say this, why would we leave all that we know for something that we're unsure of? Because we live our lives these days for treasures in heaven. Lots of us say that. I saw a man do that and live it. I found myself from time to time wrestling with life decisions or And and coming back to Billy's words of that day, am I living for today or am I living for that day? Am I storing up treasure on earth or treasure in heaven where the Bible says moss and rust cannot destroy? Well, I think those are life principles that we probably all could benefit from. What do you think? Do you value or know the value of a friend? Do you have friends around you that love you, that care for you? Are you that kind of friend? Do you know and live the value of a parent or grandparent? And let me ask you this. Where are you storing up your treasure these days? Are you living for treasures in heaven? Are you really? Because I think there are times that God calls us to give it up to test where our hearts are. I'm proud to say more than anything else that Billy Hornsby is my friend. I found a quote on friendship not long ago that really struck a nerve with me. It says this, A friend is someone who knows the song in your heart and can sing it back to you when you have forgotten the words. And when Billy lived in Charleston and since then over the phone, there have been many times he's sung the song back to me when I've gotten a little foggy about what I really, really wanted. Philippians chapter 1 and verse 3, Paul says about the Philippian church, every time I think of you, I give thanks to my God. I say every time I think of Billy Hornsby, I give thanks to my God. Would you join me in praying for Billy right now? Father, I thank you for this wonderful man who has touched so many of our lives through his life, through Charlene's life, through relationships, through the creation of the ark and how he has blessed young church planters, hundreds of them here and around the world. God, now we pray for him. 
God Billy, I think, relates to Paul when he said that his life has been poured out as a drink offering before you. And we've experienced that. And I know I've talked to Billy, and I know that he's in that place where Paul said, you know what, I don't know whether I ought to stay or ought to go. To live as Christ, to die, is gain. And I know for me, personally, and for us sitting here, it would be so good to have his life for a while longer. And that's how we pray. But nevertheless, God... Not our will, but yours be done. Thank you for giving us an example, and thank you for touching our lives through this servant of yours. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I want to show you, we want to show you just a little video that expresses our appreciation to Billy for 10 years of service in the ark. When I think of Billy, um, I think of first impressions. I don't think I've ever met somebody that uh, gives the best first impression. I always love to tell about my first experience uh, with a meeting with Billy. We were in Atlanta and Billy said, now Mike, we can go back to the hotel and meet for a couple of hours or we can go to the Bass Pro Shop and look at guns. That is vintage Billy Hornsby. Well, I've had the great privilege of working with Billy for two months now and uh, it's amazing that in two months a guy like Billy Hornsby can make such a huge impact in your life. The first thing that I noticed was your generosity and you taught us something that I didn't see in a lot of churches or ministries which was just the power of generosity. He's always working hard but loving to have a great time. He just he just makes life fun and you want to be around him. You know when Billy starts talking whether you're riding in a car with him or sitting in a restaurant pull out something and start writing because he's about to say something that's going to change the way you do life. When you hang out with him and you're with him, it doesn't matter if you're having a bad day, you hang out with him for a little bit and your day is no longer bad. He's just one of the best friends a church planner could have and a person could have in the world. I just wanted to just thank you so much for all that you have done and meant to the Life Church of Jacksonville. His uh, life's mantra is, how can I help you be successful? And Billy, you have impacted scores and scores of people, including my own life. And I'm so grateful for you. He totally has this, this thing about him that he's always going to see the positive in people. And he's always going to see the positive about life. The biggest impact Billy made on our life is uh, being our friend. He, we came looking for a friend and we found a friend. The greatest thing that sticks out in my mind is his ability to see potential in others and draw that potential out and take them uh, to the, their highest potential. Billy is always asking a couple of questions like, what do you dream about and how can I help you get there? He wants them to succeed. He wants them to fulfill their dreams. And most of all, he wants the kingdom of God added to and lives and souls saved. He believed in us. And that's probably the thing that's driven us in our relationship with Billy, that he believes in everybody. He's always full of energy, always full of life. No matter what his circumstance is, he's always going to put his best foot forward. Brother Billy, congratulations on our 10-year anniversary. What a joy it's been to watch Art go from this passion-filled idea to an organization today leading the church planning movement. Your generous spirit, your tireless dedication, and your strong leadership has made an eternal impact in my life and the lives of countless others. I'm a much better person today because of the impact that you've made in my life and the life of my family. I'm a much better leader today, much better father, much better husband. With my deepest gratitude, thank you.
What mercy was revealed, what selflessness and peace, my fate was surely sealed until he rescued me. His pardon for my sin, his bounty for my need, from slavery and shame, I am redeemed, and heaven can't contain the glory of the Son. Jesus is the Christ, the saving one. His love has made a way, the grave is overcome. Jesus is the Christ, the saving Thank y'all. Please be seated. Uh, I, I was so very moved by what Pastor Greg had to say. And uh, since I preached on the 26th, <clears throat> my condition has gotten a lot worse. But I want you to know, and I want to take this opportunity to tell you, that uh, this past week I really faced death. I was uh, having blood clots. I go through my heart and lodging in my chest and my brain was swelling out. The cancer has almost consumed my brain. And uh, I've lost all control of my eyes and all kind of stuff like that. And I want to tell you that the gospel is true to the very end. That he has taken fear out of death. And all of my struggles... I've not had one moment of fear the whole time. But but a peace that passes understanding. I never forget how, how sick I was Thursday night and Friday morning. Is as sick as you could possibly get, I would imagine. That's how I felt. And the presence of God was so strong. And I thought, you know what, this is not that bad. If this is what it's going to be like. Because of the presence of God and the strength of God. So tell your children, and let me tell you, that in that last moment, the presence of God will be with you so strongly that you will not know fear. And you will know the perfect peace of God that passes understanding. 
I was uh, so thankful that all of my art board could be here and the art staff would be here. I would love to take the time to introduce them, but I'm not going to be able to. But what I want to do is share some things that Jesus uh, told us. And I don't even know where the notes are. I'm going to have to find them here. There, maybe. Uh, a couple of things that really stood out to me in the last few days, knowing that I have this great team of men who not only stand behind me, but how many of you know they're very capable? They're very anointed of God to do what they do. They're like, it's not only my, my board of directors, which are loving people, but there's probably 20 other men out there who run like thoroughbred racehorses in directions and in regions beyond the natural realm of mankind. And yet they all do it in perfectly perfect unity as they build the ark and plant churches around the United States. It's the most amazing thing I've ever seen. I don't think there's been a group of leaders and staff at ARC that's ever been assembled together that has worked with such diligence, with such selflessness, and such resolve to pour in other people. And yet they've done it without, without anybody trying to take the lead or being the big dog. You know what I mean? And so a couple of lessons I learned in all that is, first of all, I never wanted to be big. I never wanted to be anybody that had a big name or anything. I was satisfied helping other people be great. And we've watched with the, with the, with the help of this team, many people become great leaders. I just thought if uh, I learned this lesson that if I live for others, my work is always done. In other words, if I live for others and I die, the last person I helped finished my work. But if I live for myself, my work is never done because I can gain everything and still lose my soul and still lose the whole purpose of life. If I gained everything for myself, my work would never be done. But if I could raise people to a place of success that they could realize in the kingdom of God primarily, then I'm automatically successful and I don't need any accolades. I don't really need any special treatment. And so I knew that when Jesus died, he said this. He said, the works that I do shall you do, and greater than these shall you do, because I'm going to the Father. Now, Jesus had 12 disciples, and I'm not Jesus, but I have at least 25 disciples. <laughs> and uh, <clears throat> the disciples, after Jesus died, the first sermon, they had 3,000 people got saved. Demons were screaming. Uh, the whole world was being uptied, start, turned upside down by this phenomenal group of apostolic leaders who were disciples of Jesus. And on the way to church tonight, I'm going to submit this to Pastor Chris because he's the biblical expert here. Well, on the, on the uh, way to church tonight, I got this word. I'm ready to depart. I mean, I'll stay as long as Jesus wants me to stay. But I'm really ready to go if he wants me to go. I'd love to go fishing one more time, have one more jambalaya. But I don't know if that's... We're planning on a pig roast this weekend. Do you think I'll make it? Uh, but Jesus said, 
greater works will they do? And so on the, I was coming on to church tonight. I got this word. It might be the Lord, Pastor Chris, it may not. And the word was this. When I go on to be with the Lord and all of these apostolic leaders, all these uh, board of directors and all of our A-team guys and my staff, my incredible staff, are when they're really turned loose to go do greater works, there's going to be a roar in the kingdom of the devil. And you know what it's going to say? Who let the dogs out? <laughs> so I submit that to you, Pastor Chris. And you can correct me tomorrow. Uh, but you know, John 12, 24, Jesus said, Except a grain of wheat fall in the ground and die. It doesn't bear much fruit. But if it dies, it can reproduce fruit. It can reproduce grain. And this church is the sowing of the Lord. This church, these leaders sitting here, each one of their churches is the sowing of the Lord. You are all grains of, of, of wheat that have been sown by somebody else in, in the past. And new apostolic leaders and, and new uh, pastors and, and great men of God who paid the price to carry the gospel because we wouldn't be here if it wouldn't be for those great patriarchs of the faith. And remember, it's not the big things that you do. There was a, a girl named Tabitha who sowed for the poor. Her name was translated as Dorcas. It didn't, it didn't take much. All she had to do was just care for a handful of people. And there was another woman whose name was Martha who washed Jesus' feet with her tears. And, uh, uh, the Bible says that her acts would never be forgotten. They would be a memorial forever as the gospel would be read for eternity. And so uh, it was Mary actually. And I'm thinking, and the thing is, is this, it doesn't take big things. Be like Greg Surratt was to me. Be a life catalyst. Be the spark that gives life to someone else who's struggling for someone who's hurting, who has no hope in the world, who sees no end to their plight, who has no one to encourage them. Be that friend, but be that spark, that catalyst of life to people. There's so many people in this church and around you at work every day who just need you to stop and be that catalyst, be that little spark that gets our life going back in the right direction. And finally, I just want to tell you that... Uh, how, how much I love Charlene. Uh-huh. We've been married 43 years. And uh, she's been the greatest inspiration of my life. God has used her to teach me a lot about faith, a lot about love, a lot, a lot about life, a lot about a lot of things. And I dearly, I dearly love her and want to thank her for her total commitment to my life in ministry. I've driven her all, all over the world. And she's been a great soldier as well. I, I want to I thank you, sweetheart, for always being there for me. And my brother Scott, my brother Butch. <laughs> and every one of you my son-in-laws have been closer. They're not really son-in-laws. They're like 
they like hold the deepest places in my heart. David Bizet, I feel long. And then Chris, the way he's honored me all these years. And uh, I said all that to say this. Because of your support of my family, I have a place in my heart for you that I'm going to take to heaven. I'm going to brag on you to Jesus. I'm going to say, Jesus, answer every one of their prayers. (laughs) (laughs) It's been my joy to be a part of this church, to be a little bit of a part of the leadership, and to try to father a few people here. But you mean so much to me. I want to bless you now as I close. Father, in the name of Jesus, I just somehow sense a right-hand blessing on this church, a fresh anointing, a fresh revival started in their hearts. Give them faith for life, faith for victory, faith for ministry, faith for coming home. In every one of those things, God, show yourself strong. Show yourself faithful. And let them know in the darkest moments of their life that our wonderful Redeemer, our wonderful Savior, He lives. He lives. He can bring us through anything because He's a great and mighty God. And Lord Jesus, we honor you with this church, with this service, and all that you've done. Now let us, God, with all that is within us, get to work and what you call us to do. Let us not slumber. Let us not hold back. But God, let us tear down the very kingdom of, of hell that's trying to destroy our nation and our world. And God, I know you'll give us a fresh anointing and wisdom to do that. I bless them that the leadership team. I bless the A team. I bless my family, this church, and my precious, honorable, hardworking, dedicated staff at ARC. In the name of Jesus. Amen. I love you all very much. <laughs>